This is Story and Rain Talks, the Story and Rain podcast. I'm Tamara, founder and editor in chief. After over 20 years in the fashion and magazine industries, I launched StoryandRain.com, a digital fashion, beauty, and lifestyle publication where we're bridging the gap between reading a magazine and shopping its pages. On this podcast, you'll discover the emerging trends and tastemakers that matter right now. As a catalyst for creativity and through candid conversations with our community of cultural arbiters, we're your resource for discovering today's most interesting people, projects, and products. And we'll explore the origins for game-changing ideas and careers. With our high-low approach to style and the belief that there's magic in the mix, we're going to inspire you to live your most stylish life. Lili Sadugi has been designing accessories that the modern American woman can't get enough of for over 10 years. From her signature work for J. Crew to her cult status statement headbands, Lili has her pulse on the bells and whistles that we all want. It's no wonder. The designer studied at the prestigious Central St. Martin School in London and has worked for the country's top fashion brands like Rebecca Taylor and Tori Birch. These days, her jewelry, hair accessories, sunglasses, hosiery, belts, visors and hats, and now headbands and masks, and coming soon, scarves, can be found all over It Girls everywhere while being sold in all the best places. Shop up, Neiman Marcus, Saks, top retailers abroad, to name a few. On this episode of Story and Rain Talks, we discuss Lily's most thrilling moments as a designer and entrepreneur, like the time that Kate Middleton wore her classic black velvet headband and when she sold out of her tie-dye headband in 30 minutes flat. We talk about the differences in working for a brand versus working for yourself, her line's greatest hits, how she got her start, the amazing story behind her inspiration for the headband that started a worldwide trend, her must-haves, favorite things, and more. Listen in on this great chat with multi-category accessories talent, Lili Sadugi. Lily, where are you from? I am. What were you like as a child? I'm from Dallas, Texas, where I actually currently am at the moment. Um, And as a child, I would say I am the middle of three sisters. And I've just always been around a group of girls. And I have enjoyed doing creative things, just always excelled in different arts. And that was kind of my passion over probably sports and other things that kind of kids get into. Yeah. Where's your family from of origin? Like where, where are you from in the world? I am, I guess from my father's side, fifth generation Texan. Mm -hmm. And my grandparents were born here as well. But I would say even before that, uh, Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Tell me about living in London and studying at the prestigious Central St. Martin's School for Fashion. Well, what, what years was this and what was it like? This was in 2001 and or 2001 or 2002. And I, um, after school, I got my undergrad at UT. I studied advertising and I moved to Los Angeles for about three years. And then I decided to move to New York and kind of pursue more um, like design oriented positions. And so I wanted to kind of have an opportunity to do more of a formal setting. And so I spent the whole summer at St. Martin's and did like a very immersive program 
uh, for about three or four months and was able to kind of do things that I never had time to do that I still don't have time to do now, like (laughs) sketching and draping and, you know, learning all those kind of technical things that, um, that I didn't necessarily have learning advertising in undergrad. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I thought I had wanted go, to go into advertising too at one point. I had an internship, a really great internship at a really good advertising agency. Um, and I switched gears just based on my first job. I was had to get a first job in New York and um, it was so far from what I wanted to do that it actually kind of propelled me into fashion. It made me say, okay, I, fashion's not a hobby for me. Um, and I started going to school at night um, at Parsons, but for you, do you remember what it was exactly that pro- like kind of propelled you into fashion and made you make that switch? I always, I, I, you know, was, I was the kind of student that did AP calculus, AP art and AP English. So I wow. thought I need to do something that is business oriented yet very creative. So that's why yeah. I picked advertising. Cause I thought it was a little bit of both. Me too. But it uh, it kind of became too quantitative for me. And so I just knew as I was studying it that I just, and I did internships in school too. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do this. Yeah. But it's funny having your own business. Design is only a little part of what I do and I'm doing marketing and different things all the time. And I, I do think though, it kind of gave me a good perspective of thinking about the end user and the yeah. customer and just thinking in that kind of, consumer behavior. Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, in, a, in more of a 360 way. And you're, yeah. and you're, and you're sort of 360 in your life. You're melding creativity with business prowess, right? Exactly. And so I just, I always did love fashion and, you know, I, I, today I do accessories, but that doesn't mean I won't do furniture later in my life or anything else. Mm-hmm. It just kind of is the path that I went in where I started with apparel, moved kind of into trims and then moved into accessories. And yep. Just We're going to talk all about that. Kind of got there. Mm-hmm. What, was your per- what was your personal style back then, let's say, like in London, in school? Mm-hmm. Like, what, were you, like, what were you wearing back then? What was I wearing back then? Um, I love to mix kind of high and low and fun. And I, and Always, I think, right? you know. Yeah. And as to being younger, you can find really good things with vintage, especially when your disposable income is, is, you know, smaller. And so I just loved the hunt and I loved finding things and I loved kind of really going to search eBay or go to thrift stores and find really fun things and kind of pair it with unexpected things like you know, maybe it's a sequin shirt and then you wear it with like jean shorts and mm-hmm. it's just kind of adding a little bit of embellishment where you can. And what exactly were you studying there when you were studying fashion? Um, it was just a, an overall course um, in fashion design. It was kind of like when you can get, um, you know, I haven't looked at my resume in 20 years. So if you yeah. ask me what I did, I mean, I don't really remember, <laughs> but it was, it was just like an accredited, like summer immersive program kind of to, um, very intensive, like an all day thing for, for over semester. That's really cool. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on color? When color design, like when where desi- start. Where, it's where you start. Cause I was going to say, what are your thoughts yeah. on color and when designing? I love to ask this question of creatives. Mm-hmm. I asked this 
to musicians too, but in a different sort of way. But when designing, do you see color first or do you see silhouette and shape? But you said you see color first. I can tell, I mean, your color yeah. sensibility, your color sensibility is in, incredible. Uh, uh, well, today I feel so boring and white, but you know. Um, well, you have some textures going on. You've got yeah. some pearl. Oh, yeah. It's, it's all about that too. So I, um, color is definitely where I start always. And it's not necessarily silhouette. So it, it, I often look at different paintings and landscapes, um, wallpapers, interior design. Sometimes you can look at a living room and you can get so many different textures and colors. You can get the soft rug, you can get the wood from the, the chaise lounge, you can get the glass from the table, yeah. the marble on the walls. And like that whole combination is where I start because I think that accessories is more similar to really interior design about putting different textures together than necessarily apparel, which is a lot about draping and, you know, ma material silhouette. is, yeah, silhouette, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting because I guess I've always been more interested in accessories and I am very interested in home decor as well. Um, if you saw our story in rain space, I think you would... Mm -hmm. Uh, get a kick out of it because there's a lot of wallpaper and a lot of color and we actually just posted a story and we've done we have a, an article series called chic traveler where mm -hmm. we um do a story on you know a resort or an inn or some sort of a vacation or getaway property um that has a strong interior and we create outfits that look like the room so love, yeah, that's exactly, kind of exactly that. Yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. So we had mm -hmm. a room that had like burnt coral drapes and had, you know, different elements to it. And we made that into an outfit with the textures in the handbag and the different type of earring. And so I t t it's so funny that you said that because we literally had just worked on a story that I just, um, I'm getting in all my samples for holiday right now. And my inspiration was Versailles, oh, which was amazing. so fun because using all like the glass, the gilded, the gold, the hand-painted florals, the, the velvets on the upholstery, like all those things just was easy for me to start there. So I usually start with like a time and a place and it was just more like, okay, you know, this is the time period, uh, Marie Antoinette, you know era and Versailles. And then for me, you can like find so many just gorgeous imagery and even the pillows with like the little trims and the tassel is, can build a whole collection. hundred percent. I, I would imagine. I can't wait to see mm -hmm. Versailles. Or, yeah. We, and then, yeah. And then I was just going to say in resort, then I went a different way. I was thinking, I was looking at a Gauguin painting with all like the reds and the purples and the, the like deep colors. And I started yeah. there from you know, a painting. So definitely color and texture are my primary go-tos to start. Mm -hmm. Where do you record your ideas? How do you get them all down? Um, am I organized? Not really. Um, where do I record my ideas? I don't know. I save images in lots of places. And sometimes I just save screenshots on my phone mm -hmm. and I just go through them all. And then um, on my computer, I'll make a collage. and I'll, oh. And then once I have like, 20 images it just all comes together so easily and it could be a painting next to a table next to an interior next to a vintage something that i found mm -hmm. who knows but um so you gather when i see them all together yeah you gather images over a period of time and then you create a mood board on your computer basically. yeah yeah i mean i used to i used to cut it out and do it all that way and i remember when i was at j crew 
um, they, Jenna Lyons was like really particular. She wanted me to use a paper cutter and do it exact because when <laughs> I first did it, the first time it was like, I would rip it up and I like it all kind of messy. And yeah, she wanted it like really clean. Yeah, people, And these days we don't have to print anymore. So I just do yeah. it on the computer. That's right. I love a good collage. I mean, I, I'm, I am, I'm still doing the kind of cutout, uh, but I also do them on my computer as well. Um, mm-hmm. How and where do you get inspired? Is there any, you talk about interiors is inspiring you, but is there a, a place or a moment? Is there a formula to getting you inspired to create? It's usually something that feels fresh from what I've just done. So, you know, if you think about like for holiday and I did this Versailles, which is very kind of formal and regal and elegant and gilded. And then the next thing I was like, I just want something kind of more casual. And I was just thinking of like, literally like the indigenous women and their gorgeous tribal like beads and colors. And that's why I was like, I need to see all these like Gauguin paintings. And Mm. um, sometimes it's just like what feels different than what you've done in the past. Well, it sounds like it's, it's for you, it's kind of like a journey. You go on this journey and then you, you've, you've, you know, you've reached your destination and then you have to kind of do something that feels very opposite or very different. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's, I, I'm not necessarily into like, okay, what's the trend? What am I going to do? How am I going to develop right. that into my thing? I think it's easier if you think of an idea that you want to do and adapt that into what's going on. So if I'm thinking of all these like gilded crazy things, but for me, I'm not such a romantic and like literal vintage inspired. I like it to be very geometric. I love symmetrical. So I kind of take that old fashioned and how do I make it feel like really pop 60s fun? Yeah, new. You first worked in fine jewelry for Ippolita. How did you then segue into costume jewelry at Banana and Anthro and for Neiman Marcus? So I, I segued from, I was at Rebecca Taylor right before that doing yes. trends, like all the buttons, ribbons, bows. And yes. then I went to Ippolita. I didn't do fine jewelry. She actually doesn't have it anymore, but she did have a costume jewelry department. I was going and to say, I, I, I was wondering about that. I thought, oh, did she work in, in fine or did she work in costume? Because I remember mm-hmm. that. What year was that that she did that? I remember the costume. Um. That was in, you're testing me on my, my time, but I think I was at Rebecca from like 2001 to, or 2002 to 2005. So maybe it was like 2006 or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I was there and um, it was called Seno, which she later told me she's Italian and she said Seno means nipple. And she's like, that's where all the money came from is the, <laughs> the costume jewelry, like the milk, the milk that fed the company. And I just remember thinking like, that's so like she was just such a uh, creative being herself yeah. it gives you and insight into her mind right I know how she named it you always wonder how people name things yeah. um, but it was private label so it wasn't her line you know was really like they just introduced sterling silver but it was really like the gold line yeah. um, and for me um, it was my first experience to work for all these different companies so we had clients such as Banana, Club Monaco, Anthropology, Neiman Marcus, I mean, challenging ones like Old Navy where they, you know, had to be like a $2 landed cost and just really became resourceful and, um, you know, having an excellent design in a basic material that's affordable. Talk about the time when you got, at that point when you got to J. Crew. what was jewelry like at J. Crew in 2006? 
there was no jewelry. There right. was nothing. Um, I, I originally, a friend of mine from high school was a merchant there. And she said, why don't you do an exploratory interview? You've done accessories, you've done trims, you've done apparel. So I went in to meet and then they told them, you know, what I've been doing. And I had only been doing jewelry for like five or six months um, prior to doing trims. And then uh, they called me again and I met with uh, Jenna and she said, you know, I'm thinking, we're thinking of doing jewelry. What would that be? Here's a budget. Can you make me a mood board? Which goes back to my mood board that wasn't cut That's right. with it. It was like... The very, the very meticulous mood board. That yeah, Jenna- yeah, yeah. She told me like a year later, she's like, mm, you should have done it. You should have cut it with a paper cutter. And I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, you found out after the fact. That's yeah, funny. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I still got the, I still, you know, got the job. But yep. um, so I just went out and I was like, what is J. Crew Jewelry? Which was super fun to be able to start at the ground level. Exactly. Look at the clothing and create the DNA for the jewelry. What, so it was really what fun. What was that collection like? I want to remember what jewelry was like back then under your helm. Uh, well, if you ever bought anything before 2012, then yeah. that was it. Um, I did, Happy. I yeah, the first thing that I did were a lot of bangles. And I worked with these like hinged enameled. I was doing so much with enamel because you can get lots of colors from there. And I would do like little floral pieces. So you could get like six or seven colors in one bangle. Mm -hmm. And it was about sliding them and wearing, you know, a bunch at a time. And it was all about bracelets. And then it became all about the big necklace. Right. So like like one necklace that had like eight different strands, all like kind of jumbled and big. And I don't know if you remember the, the, the bubble necklace, of course, which you, that, that was, that necklace lived for years. Yeah. Um, it so was like, it, it was like a pre-styled neck party, right? It's like all the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was about the arm and the neck and it, and only now, now it's all about the earring, but it, it just, it's funny how the cycle goes. Yeah, it is. You were a jewelry design director at Tory Burch. When were you there exactly? So I was at J. Crew from 2005 to 2011, and um, then I was just starting my line, and I yeah. also had just gotten engaged and like you know just had a lot of personal changes as well. So it was a really good time where um, I was starting my line, and then Tori approached me and she wanted me to do her jewelry line. And at first, I thought you know I'm doing my line, and she was just amazing with entrepreneurs like that's fine you know do your line you can come for an average of three days a week and direct my team there and so she it was just such a great offer and a great like transition from J. Crew to Tory Burch totally. so yeah so I did that um, I did it for about a year until I had my son because I just would have my line, Tori, and then I had a child and it was you just had a lot going on at that time. I had so much. So yeah. So I kept my son and I kept my line and I, um, yeah, stayed, stayed at Tori for about a year. I remember just as an editor, how important accessories were always to Tori. So, um, and I remember, you know, being there, being in the showroom for a market appointment and her photographing the shoes that I was wearing because she was getting ideas for a pair that she wanted for the collection. So I would imagine that it was probably like a, an exciting place to be um, before you went ahead and, and launched, you know, fully you yeah. know, put 100% into your own line. At the time, what were the components of your line while you were still at Jig Grew? I mean, at, at Tory Birch. 
Um, so I, the first, my first season, my inspiration was Egyptian deco. And I was doing a lot of stuff with reconstituted stones. And because you can use their, they're basically uh, very affordable stones like halite, like dyed halite, but you can get such rich saturation because there's part resin in it where you, where it's, where it's used for adhesiveness and also for color saturation. So it's a really like affordable material to use. And so I would do a lot of like stone pieces. I did some like really deco um, geometric necklaces. And I also did a bracelet, which I call the slider bracelet. And it was um, almost very machine age, like two metal pieces. And then a stone was sandwiched in between with like metal grommets holding them. Mm. So that was, that was my first collection. And then at Tori, it was totally different. It was more logo driven. Um, I got them to do a bunch of pearls because all girls like pearls. <laughs> and some of those styles are still on there. Some of my pearl styles from J. Crew are still on there too, on the J. Crew website. I love that. Um, yeah. The hammock necklace is still on there. Yeah. Um, but I think it was about making it more feminine. It's funny because Tori loved for jewelry, very 70s Halston, very mm. like geometric and super masculine pieces. Yeah kind of mixed with, you know, the sweater set. Um, but I think a lot of the, the customers that buy Tori were also wanting more of the whole little, you know, kind of like what I have going on, pearls and feminine. little feminine points and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you think the pro, no, pros and cons are of having your own line versus working as a designer for someone else? You've worked for so many major brands and now, you know, you've had your line now for mm -hmm. what, uh, seven or eight, nine years, seven years? Yeah, like eight years, I think. Eight yeah. years, eight years. Mm -hmm. What are the pros and cons at this point? What can you say about well, that? Well, the pro is that you manage your own time and it's your own baby and you're working towards what you want to work at. The negative is I work more than I ever worked. Right. So, you know, right. Right. give and take. Uh, when, so you're, you, so at the time that you, um, had launched your line what were the components of the line was it um, was it just jewelry was it just was it just a, a category within jewelry or were there multiple categories within jewelry fashion jewelry fashion yeah. jewelry uh it was you know necklace bracelets earrings like that whole thing but it was just jewelry until because i started in the end of 2012 so it was jewelry for many years until yeah. 2018 Right. And then your headband exploded in popularity. So yeah, which is where so did, crazy. So crazy and so great. So wonderful. Where did your ideas for the headband come from? I remember seeing the headband and recalling when I used to wear like the chocolate brown satin version and the black satin version of it in the 90s. Where, mm -hmm. did, where, where did your ideas for that headband come from? Tell us a story. It's because as I mentioned, I started my business, you know, at the time when I was getting engaged and I think I was literally pregnant. I had two kids in 17 months in the first two years of my business. So I was crazy. I just didn't have time to do anything and I did not have time to do my hair. And so, um, I, I think my daughter was two at the time and I just would throw on like a little kid's headband and I'm like, this just felt like my hair is a bit more polished. I feel like more done up. And so I was at the same time trying to develop like this Minotier jeweled clutch mm. and something just happened where, and I had been searching for a headband for me 
Right. And I just could find these really cheap ones on Amazon or like really expensive costumey, like really expensive, but you wouldn't wear them during well, the day. It wasn't, it wasn't a time for headbands. I, Cause I, I know no. I was always a big hair accessories person. I, I've, it's ebbed and flowed for me, right? Like as a, mm-hmm. as a little girl, I remember growing up in Manhattan um, and in the city Bloomingdale's was this like great place for, for um, hair accessories. Then Bendel's was a great place for hair accessories. And there were moments when there were, um, when, when there were great headbands and then they just sort of disappeared. And I think that was at the, I mean, that was at the time when suddenly out of necessity, I mean, you were looking for these great headbands and you couldn't find them, right? They were like goody plastic headbands, right? You said, and then mm-hmm. like ones that just felt maybe, I don't know. Old lady wrong. There was nothing. There was nothing at all. And I I wasn't thinking, I didn't sit with pen to paper and be like, what can I do that's not out there and how can I make it better? I just, I just was like, I want to wear headbands and I couldn't find what I wanted. So I made them. necessity. Yeah. Cause I made them and I wanted, that's just like what I wanted to wear. My hair is super fine. Yeah. And so I, you know, and it, it wasn't necessarily like a huge nostalgia thing where I used to wear them every day when I was a no, child, of which no. I did. I wore a bow. I wore headbands. I wore all that right. stuff. I'm a child from the 80s. Like, I wore it all. Totally. And so um, I was making this jeweled clutch that had pearls just like this. Yes. And I thought, I need this, like, on a headband. And this factory, like, never made headbands or something. I'm like, can we just, like, throw it on a headband with a knot? And I showed them, like, one of my something that I found on Amazon that was not nearly, it was just like so awful. So it, wasn't was like, necessarily, it wasn't necessarily inspired by your daughter's headband. It was, or was it a combination of that headband and the Pearl Menodier that you were designing? It was a combination of, I've, yeah, like I just threw on something and it was my daughter's and it was like this short and I would just wear yeah. it inside just to keep my hair back. Right. And then it clicked when I was making this Menodier, which you can still see on my site right now. It's like the jeweled Menodier. And, um, I, I just believed in it so much that normally I show market and if I, whatever I sell for wholesale kind of ends up in the line and I just bought them straight away. I'm like, okay. And I had to buy, I remember I had to buy like 200 per color and I bought like five or six colors Wow. and I just was like, I'll buy them. And I had personally been wearing headbands every day from somewhere, just like not good ones. So it kind of was natural that I was doing that. And they just kind of, I started selling them really well and a few people picked them up and then, you know, eight months later, the shows, you know, in Paris, like, or in Italy, Prada, uh, I guess in 2018 and then they show. So mine came out in May and then the shows were in October Mm. and they um, showed like a padded, a jeweled padded headband down the runway and all the looks. And then all the editors are like headbands. And I had them in market. I was already selling had, them. It's, it's amazing. So it was a little validated. I felt like now the editors are like, oh, now we want to do a story. I'm like, okay, well, I have them and I've had them. So that's great. So And they were, and they were, they were, they were elevated. They weren't, you know, they were like a, a really, they were, you know, an interesting accessory. It was, you know, they weren't just a simple headband. They were like a sort of a version, you know, Prada did them. And, and you were doing, my point is you were doing like an elaborate, an elaborate version as well. Do you remember yeah. what the headband's greatest hits were? Like, when did you know that it hit big? Um, oh, there, when was this? It was about a year and a half ago. Um, we, I couldn't keep anything in stock. 
and I would put live only on Instagram. Like we would just say like new headbands going live at 8 a.m. tomorrow. Right. We did this tie-dye headband and I sold out in 30 minutes. And I was like, oh, what is I going really, on? It's I crazy. The, I want the tie-dye headband. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like a blue flame tie-dye headband. And we, I think we put it live at nine and at like 936, it was gone. And um, I'm like, this is wild. Yeah. You really tapped into what was, um, what was, what people wanted. It's so thrilling. Um, mm-hmm. Any other greatest hits with a headband when you saw it, you know, being worn somewhere where you're like, this is exactly what I envisioned for my, this. Yeah. Um, well, Kate Middleton wore our classic black padded velvet one like a couple months ago. And I mean, that's amazing. And then today, uh, who was, oh, Chrissy Teigen was wearing our headband today and she does her little headband of the day. So I felt like, okay, now we're a member of that group. So that's fun. Um, you know, we've had a lot of people wear them, but for me, it's kind of fun when I'm just walking around and I see somebody wearing, actually my kids pointed out too. And they're like, is that a Lily? Or, you know, they see some that are not Lily that are very much inspired by. Yes. And so they're like, is that a Lily headband? And I'm like, yeah, it is. You know, how do you, how do you feel about that Lily actually? Um, the accessories market and, you know, people sort of absconding other people's ideas and how do you, how do you deal with it? Or what's your... What's your point of view on that? It happens all the time, particularly yeah. with accessories. Uh, I mean, I'm a realist about it. And I think that accessories is a highly trend uh, industry. Mm-hmm. And I feel that it moves pretty quickly. And um, I think that a lot of people are, are getting into the marketplace that never even ever did headbands. And you're like, why are they doing headbands? But Honestly, no one is doing it at the breadth that I'm doing it. I mean, I have like 300 styles. So if you want a destination and I'm really proud of the, the quality and I'm really proud of the, um, you know, everything that we've done to make them comfortable right. and great quality that I, I'm not worried about the market share. You know, it, yeah, sometimes you're like, oh, that's super annoying. Like someone just kind of totally took my headband and tried to do the same exact thing. Right. Um, but that happens in all categories. Yeah. Flatter. I, what is imitation is the best form of flatter. Yeah. Sometimes, mm-hmm. not always, but sometimes. Um, yeah. do you, what about in terms of jewelry? What was sort of a greatest hits of jewelry for you? Um, which piece, which piece mm-hmm. and when did you know your jewelry was really resonating with cu- customers and with tastemakers? The crystal lily earrings, yeah. for sure. Still my best sellers. Those and anything pearl. But the, those came at a time where no one was using that material. And I started playing around with a lot of acetates because the colors are amazing. Mm. You can like hand swirl like four or five colors and it's super, super lightweight. So it came in a time when earrings was becoming a thing. And it was a good color vehicle for me. So those, those are still today some of my greatest hits, for sure. Any other like most thrilling fashion editorial moments or red carpet moments or a person that has worn your pieces that you, you just, you know, you named Chrissy Teigen, you named Kate Middleton. Those um, are amazing. But any other? I remember in March of 2016, the InStyle cover came out and it was Nicole Kidman literally naked. It was just showing her top part and her, and her hand and her wrist were up by her face. And she was wearing two of my gold bracelets. And that was all, that was the only thing on the cover because she didn't have any clothes on. And 
I just remember being super excited by that. That's a dream credit and a dream. Yeah. It's like perfect. Perfect. A hundred percent. And now the latest is bags for you. And I love them because they truly have a jewelry like quality to them. And I've, I think I might've mentioned this, mentioned this to you when I was at a, an appointment recently that other designers, I feel like have attempted to sort of meld this jewelry and handbag idea, but you, mm-hmm. you've really been able to. Um, tell us all about we're, the bags because they're really well, special. Well, we're actually debuting our spring handbags tomorrow. So we I'm were going to do it earlier, but you know, where, where are we all going these days? We're not really going anywhere. No. So, so I, I debuted my hats and my sun visors and glasses of which you can see I'm sitting in the backyard wearing my glasses. They're but, very um, thank you. Uh, so we're, I see some light. I see we're going to get out soon. Um, so we're going to debut our bags tomorrow and, it is all about color and kind of some kind of jeweled strap or something like that. So, you know, I tried to stay true to what I like to do. I mean, even if you see my glasses right here, it's like I put some pearls on the side. So it's just about kind of, you can get basic pieces anywhere, but you can get special pieces from me. So that's why, that's why I kind of stuck with that. So I'm excited for you to see the new ones tomorrow. I'm so excited by them. Um, Why do you think you've been so successful at landing key and important and the right retailers? I think, I feel like I've been doing this for a while and I think that you have to understand longevity and, and the balance of looking at your core items that people resonate with and evolving them. So it's a balance of doing things that people want and giving them something a little new and keeping it exciting for them, for them to keep coming back. And so uh, I've been consistently with my jewelry, been selling to Neiman's was my first ever order over any boutique. And I'm from Dallas, so Neiman's was special. I have and, a earrings from Neiman's. Okay, yeah. I love it. Maybe they're the, were they flower earrings? Yeah, they were. They were like the, it's this, that pink. It's like a salmon pink. Mother yeah, of pink Pearl. flower. Yeah. Neiman's yeah. like, and they're like, do you have anything pink and floral? I'm like, yes. And they take it yeah. for sure. Um, so I, I think that it's, it's about the balance. And I think a lot of things, maybe even I learned while I was at J crew and learning about merchandising and you know what you do the big necklace, but then you also have to do a little pendant for that person who just wants like a little thing. And you do your it. big earring and then you also do your stud. So it's learning about doing a whole collection and not being driven by a trend that could be so fleeting. Yeah. Lily, name all of your current categories and which ones are you the most excited about right now? Okay. So I'll do it in order. So jewelry, headbands, sunglasses, handbags, home, hosiery, belts, um, scarves coming soon. And what am I most excited about? Yeah. Mm, I'm most excited about because I had a good call this morning where I have this like idea I want to do for some just like crazy over the top jeweled handbags. So we're going to have to wait a little bit for that, but mm-hmm. you know, come spring. That's fun. And yeah. did you hire people or did you teach yourself how to design for each of those categories and accessories? Like which came first, the knowledge, some basic knowledge or just sort of I have a vision for all these categories within accessories and I'm going to hire who I can to help out. 
Right. I, no, I just figured it out. I mean, as you know, I studied advertising and then took courses in design and not even necessarily in accessories. So I just like learned it and figured it out. And you just have to kind of trust what it is that you know. And um, I'm most skilled at designing jewelry. And I did trends for many, many years. So once you nail, so for me, um, I'm fine with doing a lot of classic silhouettes and it's just like the embellishment is where I kind of excel. That's right. I mean, that's the tie that binds, right? The trims mm-hmm. and embellishment is the tie that binds for you. Mm-hmm. Um, how has the company, the office, the staff evolved as you've grown as a business? Well, the office is dusting at the moment because no one's (laughs) been there since mid-March. Yes. Um, But my company went, you know, like fourfold last year. So we had a huge growth spurt and it enabled me to hire like really good people. So that was my investment back into the company where we got, you know, an amazing planner and a global sales director and, um, uh, you know, I definitely, now that I'm introducing all these categories, like I, I need to get another support to help me with doing some specs in design. And so it's changed a lot in the past year. It's a lot of new people and, you know, they're being very resilient working remotely. Yes. Where do you, it's May, 2020, where do you see accessories going? Like the trends? Um, you have a sense. You know, I've ridden, I've rid through, I've gone through a lot of trends. Okay. So mm-hmm. let's just say I've been doing accessories for a long time and there was yeah. the whole minimal look. There was the whole over the top where it was jumbled and there was like 20 necklaces at once. There's the clean look where it's like really symmetrical. Then there's the dainty look. There's all these things. So I think it's really important for the longevity is to stay true to what you do. I will never do ear cuffs. I will never do skulls. There are things <laughs> that I just will never do. Yeah. And, um, and it's kind of like looking at what the feeling is today and adapting it to how you do your things. So yeah, I don't know where it's going, but I kind of know what I'm sick of doing and then I want to do something else. And things are very cyclical. It's very true. Does the mm-hmm. style of your home, Lily, reflect the style of your brand and how so? It does. I mean, I'd love to do more, but I'm spending so much of my time in my company that it's still a little bit of a canvas, but um, yeah, I was, I, I changed my mind at what I like a lot. So, you know, while we have like a basic, if I'm just thinking about the living room, it's really like basic colors. I have some Moroccan Ben Orion rugs, which are like really black and white graphic. Mm. And the, the sofa is really basic. But what I did was I had these pillows made like Malachite and banana leaf and I I got like I framed some like malachite stuff and some black and white photos and just kept it really beautiful beautiful where where I could change it up like all the basics are there and I could just be like you know what let's change all the paintings let's change the pillows and it's a new a new thing so I love about accessories but always accessories minded right that's true and like my dining chairs are pink sat like salmon pink velvet um so I'm not afraid of color at home Mm -hmm. at all Mm -hmm. Um, this might be a little bit of a tough one, but I feel like your customers and your fans and our followers would love to hear this from you. Can you name your favorite pieces from each category in your line? Be specific. I think people want to know what your, your exact favorites are across the board. Well, first of all, it's about the Lily look. It's about how you pair it all together. Okay. I think is my favorite thing. Um, but 
what I love today versus tomorrow is different. But right now I'm loving like the, we have these, I had a theme this spring of candy and I did like all these like candy jeweled headbands with like Those pastel really colored fun. crystals. So fun. And I think that's fun to wear with a t-shirt and shorts. Like don't save it for anything, just wear it now. So I love the denim candy one just because I don't know, maybe just being from Dallas and like denim is kind of, I, I just love to wear like an all denim look and I love anything matchy, which is why I love the whole like look. So, um, I don't know those. And then I've got these like cat eye, um, pink and blue kind of swirled sunglasses and some kind of a floral earring, maybe the trillium earring. And what else? I'm just thinking of like one look that I'd want to put together right now. Mm -hmm. And I did these like really fun, like ruched belts. And then we're debuting tomorrow, some bags that are like red and pink combo. Oh, I love red and pink. What color? I did. What color ruched belt would you choose? Um, I'm trying to think what I have going on with that specific outfit. I just now I'm sampling a denim one, like a denim ruched belt. So I think that'd kind of be a fun look and, um, can add hosiery. You can add the whole, the whole thing. What do you love for hosiery? Which, which colors? Um, I did one that, let's see. I love the nude with the floral. I think that's super fun because so many people, you know, wear nude, but it can look kind of outdated if you just wear like a nude nylon set of hosiery. So I think kind of like an understated floral where you have to look close and you see kind of a texture or pattern to it is just like a little unexpected addition. Okay. As we wrap up, Lily, let's do a lightning round. Go Go to designer for clothing and what is your favorite piece? Um go to designing for clothing. Designing for clothing and yeah. what is a favorite a favorite piece from that designer? I love Del Pozo. Mm. Love, I and I don't own it yet because it's like super expensive, but I'm gonna buy myself something really soon. And I love Rodarte just because there's you know what? It goes back to the embellishment. There were like bows and crystals and like super fun things that were um that I would just like love to wear. And like Lanvin in 2002, 2003, yes. like that I'm, kind of stuff. I'm with you on all of that. I what, want all that to be back. Yes. Let's bring it. Let's, we wanted that back for sure. What, what handbag do you personally carry most often? Not your own, like something a little more utility or. Um, so I treated myself to a shearling Chanel bag in pastel color blocks and I love it. Oh, beautiful. Go to shoe for a night out. Aquazura, because it's just like pretty and sexy. So pretty. Favorite watch? Men's Rolex. Men's Rolex. With a gold fluted bezel and a leather strap. Gorgeous. Favorite restaurant or favorite food? Um... I really miss sushi because, you know, I haven't gone anywhere in so long. I would just really love to eat that. And there's a place kind of near me that's so good on 7th Avenue and 17th Street. And um, I'll think of the name in a minute, but I, it's so sad. I haven't gone there in so long. I'm forgetting everything. No, I'm but I just you. need sushi. I'm with anywhere. you on that. I am so with you on that as well. And finally, mm-hmm. favorite beauty item. Favorite beauty item. Um, hmm. um, like fun nail things, oh. like nail stickers. Oh, very fun. Um, and I can only imagine your 
nails with really fun stickers on them or pearls, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on some stuff like that. Oh, good. That's exciting. All right, Lily. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so great. Well, thank you. See you later. Okay. Bye.